0: The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and
1: Alex Wood. Welcome to the Colorado Equals Security March 27th newscast. This is episode eight, and this is Rob Reck, and this is Alex Wood. We are here to give you some news for this week, Alex. How have you
2: been? How was March Madness in Vegas? It complete and utter madness. <laughs> you know, uh, I've been going with friends for a number of years, and uh, it's one of the big, biggest weekends of the year in, in Las Vegas. So there are a lot of people there. Did you did you make a bracket? Did you, or do you bet on games individually? How's that work? Uh, a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, so we uh, we made some wagers. Yeah. Won a few, lost a few, and yeah. spent some time at the pool. It was, it was all good stuff. Good time was had. Good time was had by. How's all? your bracket looking right now? Uh, it, it's not so great anymore, but that's yeah. all right. I think that's, you know, most people are in that position these days.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we, we're halfway through the Elite Eight as we record, and and Oregon won last night, which is was exciting and fun for me. Uh, as a, I went to school in Oregon. Not at Oregon, but up there.
2: I have some uh, cousins who are big Kansas fans. Okay. They were not as excited yeah. as you. <laughs> not as excited. It wasn't, it wasn't even all that close a game. All right, let's mm-hmm. go ahead and, and get moving into
1: the security news for the week. Um, first thing is not security related, right? The first thing we found this article that, uh, that gives some evidence that where your last name initial shows up in the, in the alphabet will kind of dictate how successful you are in life. I am
2: so screwed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it, you know, myself as well, right? We're both uh, second half of the alphabet people, but I think what it showed was, you know, per every 10 characters later in the, in the alphabet you are, you know, you have a, what was it? 10% worse performance. Yeah. Yeah
2: I mean it's it's just interesting how there are so many factors that are out there. Yeah. I mean you could apply this to security somehow but there <laughs> there there are many factors out there that are 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 not obvious that affect um you know performance and, and other things like that.
1: Yeah and and I think that kind of the gist of it was it really came back to the teachers it looked like teachers probably spend more attention as they're going through the list at the beginning right and you know, Mr. Albertson is, is a great performer and we think of him that way, but but Mr. Wood, yeah, I don't know, you know, let's not bother getting that far
2: down yeah, the list. Yeah, and then one of the researchers whose last name was near the end of the alphabet, I'm sure <laughs> the reason why he started this research, uh, it, it mentioned that, you know, he's a professor also and he does his uh, attendance in a reverse order. So he always starts with the, the Z's and goes to yeah, the A's. There you go.
1: All right. Well, uh, interesting stuff. And, and if you are late in the alphabet, you might want to bring your teachers a little bit of extra
2: treats and 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 bribe them some more to remember your kid fondly. Exactly. Uh, second on the list, well, we have a story um, again not directly security related, but I, I think it's uh, pretty important for the job market um, that Denver you know is luring workers away from from San Francisco you know along with a couple other cities, but you know Denver is in the top four in terms of bringing those jobs here.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, as San Francisco becomes more expensive, housing prices are too high, it just costs too much to hire talent in San Francisco. There's a, a few different cities that are really benefiting from that. And, you know, Portland, Seattle, Austin, and Denver, those are the top 4 that are taking those jobs away from Denver.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I benefited to, directly from, from this. Um, you know, my previous job at Kaiser Permanente, you know, they decided to diversify their based in in Oakland and uh, you know, started building out campuses here and in other places where they have service but you know not in the, the central area right. in Oakland because it's frankly just cheaper and you know get more talent that's uh, that's not in the bay area.
1: Yeah, and another big one's Charles Schwab. They've they've built that huge office down in Lone Tree. Uh, Google's building offices out here, Microsoft as well. There's lots of of folks There's... who are who are bringing jobs to Denver exactly. because they can find people here and they, where they can't out in the San Francisco. Interesting stuff. Another industry related one here in Denver uh, Tamara Chung wrote this article for Denver Post. Uh, cybersecurity industry hopes
2: women will fill at least part of those 1.8 million open jobs. Yeah, so the the CCDC competition that we had mentioned um, in prior weeks, it, it finished up a couple weeks back. And uh, the winning team w- was um, more diverse than the other team. So right. it was, you know, I think equal men and women. Um, and, you know, one of the the ideas here is that, hey, diversity helps. You know, you can, right. you can be more successful when you have diversity of, uh, of your team members.
1: Yeah, this is a trend that, or it's a realization that's starting to become much more understood, right? That yes, it's obvious in, in some competitions, but it, you know, in workplaces as well, as we, as we get more diversity of thought, people get better at it. And, and women just generally are way underrepresented in security
2: teams. Yeah. And, you know, as part of that, um, the ISSA is starting a women in security special interest group. And there's a an event listed on our events page uh, talking about that first meeting which is coming up um, I believe near the end of April uh, so
1: April 19th yeah, of April. it's at secure set and it's sponsored by logarithm and secure set uh, so you know reach out it's just unbelievable registration numbers on that you know up, up about 80 people have signed up already for it and we're still you know almost a month away awesome uh, next some more local news hosting.com which is uh, Denver's Denver's own uh, hosting provider there on i-25 in the old Gates building. Um, they just made an acquisition of a company out east called Stelligent Systems.
2: Yeah, and they're, it um, seems like a consulting uh, arm yeah. to help them with the, the Amazon Web Services business that, that hosting is uh, delving into. Uh, one of the specialties of Stelligent is uh, is security services around Amazon Web Services. So I, I think that's an interesting play for them. Yeah, you know, I, I'm a little
1: unsure, and I'd, I'd love to talk to someone over at hosting to understand Generally, I think of hosting.com as being the hosting provider. You know, you use them for either RackSpace or you know managed services and cloud. I'm not sure all of their offerings, but I think of them as the provider. Whereas this acquisition looks like maybe they're moving more into consulting around, going you know hosting within Amazon, which is really a different business model.
2: Yeah, well, and I think uh, you know they're obviously not the biggest player in the world, um, so. They're not going to win all the business, and you know you may as well have uh, some way to play in you know other people's ponds too if you can't get them in yours.
1: Yeah, I wonder if this is you know uh, an indication of where they might be going longer term and moving away from trying to compete with Amazon on a commoditized you know cloud computing where Amazon just you know has seventy percent of the market. Right. Uh, and maybe they're trying to move into the more specialized, higher higher margin competition on consulting and and, and implementations.
2: Yeah, additionally, we have some news around hosting.com. Uh, Johan Hibinet, is that right? Do you know how to pronounce uh, his last name? Hibinet, right? yeah. yeah. Well, hey, good, good job. Yeah. I did that. Um, the CISO for hosting.com has announced that he's leaving. He's uh, going to be actually moving out of state to be the, the CISO for Vonage.
1: Yeah. And Johan's been a friend here in town for a while. Previous to hosting, he was at Scriber Medical. Uh, and man, previous to that, he was in a, I'm slipping my mind right now, but he's been around in Denver as a security leader for quite a while. Yeah, and I actually,
2: I, I talked to him a little bit, and he was, I, I don't want to say uh, disappointed, but he definitely is, um, you know, thinks of Colorado as his home now. So it was a hard decision for him to have to take a job where he was moving out of state. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely miss him and look forward to hearing how
1: it goes. But, you know, Vonage is going to be a, a fantastic opportunity for him. And, you know, I, I'm confident that
2: Johan's going to really do a great job there. Uh, next, uh, Optive Security um trying to take over the world I think they uh they purchased a a company uh on the east coast called Com Solutions uh, you know it's a, it's a similar type company of VAR, um but they I think Optive didn't have a whole lot of uh of presence you know uh, feet on the ground kind of presence in that area so they wanted to, to beef up uh their presence out east it was it was Pennsylvania right i, I think I, so it, you know really
1: the VAR business is a relationship business, right? You can't open up a shingle, not you know, nationwide, and say, "Hey, we're everywhere." It just doesn't work that way. You have to have people, you know, feet feet on the ground with relationships in these companies, people who who can, who've known, taken them out to lunch, and you know, understand the buyers in that area. And and that's really what what Optiv is buying here, those yeah,
2: relationships. Exactly, and I think it helps both sides because it sounded like um, like Com Solutions didn't have the, sort of the breadth of services that that Optiv does. You know, they. Optive does offer you know managed security services and other things like that, so it it helps the the folks out there get more services, and it helps Optive get uh, feet on the ground in those areas.
1: Yeah, so congratulations to Optive. Hopefully that's a, a good move for them. So Ping Identity, uh, you know I'm I'm the CISO over at Ping. We we just released some news this week. Um, Ping has integrated with Microsoft, and, and at this point, you know there's a public preview, which is one of the steps along the way toward releasing the service and. I don't know which step it is, but very soon, we're going to have a, a publicly available service where you can you can use Ping, Ping Access, Ping's solutions to get single sign-on into Microsoft's Azure AD environment. So you know, in summary right now, as it stands, if you use um, Azure AD for single sign-on, you could really only get single sign-on into cloud-based applications. Um, with with this new solution, you'll have the ability to use Ping to to get uh, connected right back into your your corporate environment in those those legacy on-prem applications that that don't automatically work with the cloud. You'll be able to get si- single sign into into all of that. Sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah, so so good stuff. There'll be more news on that coming up, but
2: I thought we'd share where that's going. So uh, Red Canary, uh, another local company here, they put out a blog post this week uh, entitled. Threat hunting is not a magical unicorn. Yeah. So uh. I, I put this in the, as for us
1: to talk about, because it, it's just something that's really interesting to me. If, if you're not real familiar with threat hunting, this is a good primer on it. You know, what is threat hunting? What is it not? You know, you can't go buy a threat hunting tool because that, you know, what as soon as you buy the tool to do it, it's no longer threat hunting. Ba- basic idea is you have all your protective controls, you have your detective controls, and then threat hunting is going around those controls and saying, well, what did we miss? what right. what's likely in our environment to be a target of bad guys let's go look at that and see manually eyes on glass what's going on in with those systems
2: yeah i, I sort of like to think of it as as proactive detection yeah. you know uh, you know most detective tools are you know somewhat passive they're waiting for to see something yeah. you know with threat hunting you, you know you're likely going to have a, a team of specialized people that's going to go around and look to try and find things that you might have missed
1: you know and i personally think there's there's a lot of different values of threat hunting obviously you know what we're trying to accomplish is finding if there's something wrong in the environment, but I think you know just as important, it's the familiarity you get with your environment by doing threat hunting that adds value. So when my security analysts um, are looking at those high-value systems, trying to understand what's normal, is this normal? They're now lear- learning more about how the system works, and if there is an incident later, you know they they have a better idea what it used to look like and, and what normal was.
2: Yeah, and I think also you know, one of the important pieces is, you know, threat hunting is not necessarily for everybody. Yeah. You know, it's it's not going to be low down on the maturity curve. You know, you have to have other things in place um, before you can really get to the point where you can have specialized people that can go and, and, and look for this stuff. Not that you shouldn't be looking around in your environment to try and find bad things, but really having a defined threat hunting team and process, Yeah, uh, it's not something that you're going to implement right away. Yeah, I'll tell you, my approach to
1: this, you know, the vast majority of people who are listening to us here don't have a mature enough team to have a dedicated threat hunting function. Um, how I how I deal with it at Ping is we, we give the team a very small set of time to go look into threat hunting each month. Um, so, so, you know, let's say for the infrastructure security guys, they have four hours per month, one hour a week. And maybe for our, our product or application security guys, they only get two hours per month. Um, and they're given here's a specific threat. We want you to go think through, you know, what what would happen if someone compromised our CA here, or what would happen if you know, think about what are the what are the high impact threats, and then give them a few hours a month to go figure that out, right? What would what would they need to know? What would they do if they come back at the end of that and say, hey, I got this far and I had to stop because logging wasn't turned on here, or we didn't have the right kind of visibility that we need in this area. Well, that's a great outcome, right? Because we realized a way for us to get better at this detection going forward um, is to enable those things. So I, I really like to time box it, not say, hey, go run this threat down forever. Just use a, use a couple hours to do it. You, you know, it's, it's instead of your normal project work. Um, and it's something that gives us value, you know, beyond just finding the bad guys.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great way to tackle it, Rob.
1: Uh, So next thing on the list uh, came across a a national or an ISSA international
2: uh, virtual session that you're going to be on coming up uh, this week, right? Yeah. So this is, it's an RSA conference virtual session um, through ISSA. So it's, uh, I was on a panel at RSA this year, um, a CISO talk, and this is sort of a a redo of that. Um, You know, we had very short time window. And so, you know, RSA has these virtual sessions throughout the year where they take people that spoke at the conference and, you know, either redo or continue the talks that they had. So Mm. um, I'm going to be talking about uh, just some general questions about, you know, my day-to-day job and, and, you know, how I got where I am, along with uh, Garrett Felix, uh, who's another CISO, and uh, Pam Fusco, who's not only the CFO for um, for ISS International, but also has been in security a long time. She's sort of our moderator. Um, So that's uh, on the 29th at noon uh, Mountain Time. The, and the link to register is in the show notes
1: for this. So if you're interested in getting on there, uh, go get signed up. Yeah. And we'll be not only talking, but also taking
2: questions from the audience yeah. and things like that.
1: So the last thing for our, our news segment here is something that's not necessarily news, but, you know, maybe news to us, right? Uh, one of one of our, our friends, Matt Schufeld, sent me a note the other day and, and said, hey, did you see that IntelliSecure had some turnover of their leadership? And, and I looked into it and, and lo and behold, they did. So, founders uh, Rob Egelbreck, who who I actually did an interview with for my blog uh, maybe two years ago, uh, if you guys want to look it up, you can you can find it somewhere out there. Um, he and co-founder Chuck Bloomquist left IntelliSecure, It looks like sometime mid last year, uh, and they've they've been replaced with a couple of new folks. Uh, Stephen Drew is the new CEO. Uh, who came from SecureWorks, Dell SecureWorks, previous to going to IntelliSecure. So I I found this whole thing very interesting. You know, IntelliSecure is one of the, you know, decent size. They're a pretty good size Colorado security company. They do managed security services. They do professional services. I actually have talked to them about some ISO compliance
2: work in the the past. Um, It looks like they have new leadership. Yeah, I I found it interesting, too, just because it was sort of a uh, a quiet change. It, It wasn't a a big fanfare, it wasn't, uh, you know, big announcements, you know, all of a sudden we've got to do new, new leader over there.
1: Yeah. So I, hopefully we can reach out to the new, uh, to the new leadership there and tell us secure, uh, understand where they're going. Maybe they, if they had any strategic changes in terms of the roadmap for the company, love to know that. Uh, if you guys, you know, I know that they do penetration testing, they do managed services, they do implementation services that they're, they're basically, you know, in the world, they're maybe the best DLP consultancy, consultancy out there and they do manage DLP. They've kind of moved into other things like SIM and compliance work as well. And I'm sure that they're quite good at those. But I know that if you're looking for a DLP project, they're they're one of the folks to talk to. For sure. All right. So upcoming events. We have three events this week that we'll, we'll hit on here. Uh, on the 30th, uh, Colorado Springs ISSA has their fourth annual Cyber Focus Day, which is a full day security conference. Um, you know, Good, good CPEs. Good opportunity to learn and, and network with some folks in the Springs. So if you're able to make it down there, I highly
2: recommend it. On the thirty-first, uh, secure set at uh, five o'clock, they have a beginner's intro to capture the flag, and that is followed by a capture the flag hackathon at six o'clock. So if you're interested in uh, doing some capture the flag work, yeah, um, you're testing your skills, that should be a good time.
1: It's cool. You can come an hour early and, and get the you know the baseline. So. When the actual thing starts, you're ready to go or just right. show up at six o'clock if you feel like you already know how it works. Uh, and then next Saturday, we've talked about this a couple of times, but ISSA Colorado Springs has their Security Plus Boot Camp uh, prep seminar, full day event on Saturday. It's it's the first of two sessions that you know, kind of get you prepared to go through the Security Plus exam.
2: Yeah. So yeah, two weekends in a row for that, that training session. And then uh, they also have a redo of that in June if you can't yep. make it to the April ones. Yeah, so highly recommend taking a look at that if you can. Uh, some events coming
1: out, you know, a little further in the in the in the distance. RMISC, we're not going to miss a week talking about this event. Um, I did just last week sit down with one of our keynotes, Cal Fussman, and record a, an interview that we'll be releasing through this stream sometime soon. Not 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 this week, but sometime soon, we'll be releasing that, so you can learn more about Cal. Kind of the the action items for you guys: go get registered if you're not signed up yet. All of the agenda is set. Um, you can go get your your sessions. Confirmed and get get signed up for that, and of course, if you have any leads for sponsorship, always looking for sponsors. Sponsorship is how the conference is kept cheap, and how both Denver
2: ISSA and Denver ISACA are able to fund their events throughout the year. And if you do work for a, a security services or product company and you're not sponsoring yet, then what's wrong with you? Yeah, uh, you, you should get with you, get get with your appropriate marketing or sales folks and get them to sponsor the conference. Yeah,
1: this is just you know Denver. It is the biggest conference in Denver, and if you're a Denver-based company, get on that. Uh, you know, speaking of that, Denver B-Sides is the uh, kind of the alternate conference that happens right after RMISC, and I know they're they're also looking for um, for sponsors for that event as well. How about um, volunteers for B-Sides? Are they still looking for people to help there? You know, I, I don't know. They I know they usually do pretty well getting getting volunteers, um, but we'll, we'll take a look, and next week we'll be able to get more info on that. Sounds good.
2: Okay. On to jobs. So. Uh, First job we have Air Methods, uh, they are looking for a director of IT security and compliance. So Air Methods, you can save someone's life, right? That's the yeah. uh, flight for life type folks. Exactly. So that that could be a,
1: a cool industry to be yeah. in. I know some folks who've worked there. They you know they have a relatively complex IT infrastructure. It'd be an opportunity to come do some important work and helicopters. There you go. Uh, Webroot is hiring a product manager of web and network security products. This sounds like a fun you know. A fun job, basically helping them figure out where should their product line go, and being the voice of the market back into the into the company.
2: Yeah, if you're someone with experience, uh, that is definitely a a cool looking position. Yeah. Uh, Next, uh, Lewis and Fowler, they're looking for a a senior consultant slash GRC program manager. Uh, Lewis and Fowler, they're a, um, I think mostly a, a product project management. Um, consultancy okay um, but uh, but you're if you're into GRC and it, it looks like they're looking for someone to, to consult around GRC and out, you know help lead the, the their program around uh, GRC consulting. Are they a Denver- based con- Lewis? And they are. Oh interesting. Do you know anyone over there? Uh, I don't know if I know anyone still but um, I know some people that used to be interesting. there.
1: interesting yeah, interested to know more about those guys. Akamai is hiring so Akamai is you know one of the big internet security companies. Head, headquartered in, in Boston. Don't quote me on that. I think they're in Boston though. It's northeast somewhere. They're they're look like they're hiring a security solutions architect here in Denver. Well, that's kind of cool. That is really cool. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're expanding here or if it's just by coincidence. Yeah. So very interesting. If you know if you have if you know anything about it, I'd love to understand more about what they're
2: doing. And if you're interested, you know, take a look and hopefully it'll work out for you. Uh, Pearson is looking for a security architect. We've talked about several Pearson jobs in the past few weeks. Yeah, Pearson's also
1: they were also hiring that director of security, I believe.
2: and and yeah. I, I know one of our one of our mutual friends
1: is is talking to them there and and has said some really good things about the opportunity and the 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 company. Um, and it sounds like it'll be a pretty fun thing to do. Cool. Nelnet. Uh, so so Vince Grimard is one of the CISOs here in town. He's the the CISO for Nelnet um, and he's hiring a security analyst. Um, I, I assume, I believe that this would be out of their Highlands Ranch location, which is like a Lucent and 470. Um, anyway, Vince is a, a good guy who's, who's really built that program up from nothing into a, a fairly robust and mature program. Yeah, I think he'd be a really good guy to work for. Uh,
2: next, HP uh, Enterprise, they're looking for an ArcSight consultant. So if you're someone that um, is in the SEM space or has experience with ArcSight, uh, likes to travel and, and help people with ArcSight implementations I think this would be the, the position for you as long as ArcSight exists ArcSight consultants will always do very well yes exactly <laughs> for,
1: for those who don't know ArcSight is is one seriously complex technology and if you don't have you know one and a half to two FTEs on hand to to manage your implementation you're going to you're going to need consultants on a regular basis Webroot uh, once again another job from Webroot they're they're hiring a Mac threat research analyst i
2: assume this is macintosh yes yeah so I, that looked interesting if you're yeah. someone that uh likes doing research uh, and has a mac specialty sounds like they would have a, yeah. a place for you i bet dave defore knows about this role this is I, this kind of in his area yes i bet it, it sounds like it's got dave written all over yeah, it.
1: yeah dave is dave is one of our friends and one of the really smart guys over at webroot who, who does their research and, and kind of keeps pushing them towards you know the more cutting edge stuff um that he'd be a good guy to work with
2: as well right. Speaking of Dave, I noticed that uh, he is now going to be a contributor to the CyberWire podcast. So he was speaking on that in the last week or so. I heard him in the last week as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next, uh, CyberGRX. They are hiring. Uh, they actually had multiple positions, but for uh, for security assessors, for third-party assessments. So CyberGRX is a company here in town. Um, so it's uh, the GRX stands for uh, Global Risk Exchange. no. Global Risk Exchange, hmm. something like that. So it's they're they're trying to be the central location for third party assessments. Yeah. So part of what they do is they have to assess these companies to be the the central place for that, and uh, they're looking to build out the team to do those assessments. Yeah, you know, we should we should reach out to those guys and see
1: about getting on the podcast. You know, they're good idea. Headquartered downtown Denver. Uh, don't know. I, I you know I know
2: vaguely what they do, but it'd be nice to know more about them. And then uh, last on the list, the town of Castle Rock uh, is looking to hire an information security specialist. Um, i thought this was sort of an interesting role it's listed as information security specialist but this is really someone that they want to to i think build and run the security program mm-hmm. down there um it's probably being hired at that level because it's you know it's a town it's not a, right. a big corporation that's doing it but if you want to sort of get in on the ground floor and and, uh, and try and help build out a security program, um, I think this could be a cool opportunity.
1: You know, for those who, who have been kind of stuck in individual contributor role who are looking to get into leadership, this is really a good opportunity. You go into a place that, that needs security, that doesn't have anyone to set direction, you go do that for, I don't know, two years, um, look for either a promotion there or you now have the experience on your resume to go get that manager level role at some other organization.
2: I, you know, one caveat, though, is that it, it probably won't be easy, um, you know, for better or for worse. Um, you know, jobs like that, you're probably going to be underfunded and understaffed. Um, but, you know, if you're someone that, that likes to put in hard work, it will likely be something that will be rewarding for you. Yeah. Good stuff.
1: Well, um, that's the end of our news for this week. couple things to mention. Number one, go sign up on our mailing list if you're interested in getting weekly emails from us, kind of with the show notes into your inbox. Uh, we also have had our listener survey going for a week. We've got we got a good number of responses on that. Um, if you're interested in getting added to that, you know, send get signed up on the mailing list. We'll get you added to the survey. Um, we're, we're planning to keep the survey going. You know, although we won't keep emailing people about it going forward.
2: Yeah, one other thing. I don't know if you mentioned it last week, Rob, but we added um, a couple RSS links on the the website. So if you want to get updates in your RSS reader for uh, for you know our news and, and blog posts. Um, at uh, events as well. You can go uh, find those links on the website, colorado-security.com.
1: All right. Well, thanks everyone for your time and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, Rob.
2: This is Aaron
0: Simmons, from, uh, CISO of Gates Corporation. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security for Colorado Security Professionals by Colorado Security Professionals.
1: All right. This is Rob Breck here with uh, Sam Maciello. Sam is in my in my basement in the studio uh the lovely uh furnished studio sam why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and, and tell the listeners who you are
0: sure so uh hi everybody i'm sam masiello i'm the chief information security officer at teletech uh, i've been there for about two years now a uh, little background on myself i guess so i i'm one of those fairly unique people i guess uh, somewhat unique in that i've always known that i wanted to be in security uh, you know, a lot of people kind of stumble into it along the way, or you know, they're, they're doing some job, and then suddenly they end up doing security off the side of their desk, and they realize yeah. they kind of like it. Uh, I've actually always known that I wanted to be in security. I started running my first messaging system when I was thirteen years old, and uh, started to get into it and realized some of the abuse that was happening from there, and got really into. Uh, network security and i've got a real interest in network security right. when i was 15 16 years old so and,
1: were you running a bulletin board
0: i was that point? yeah yeah yeah. have back phone lines
1: but phone lines coming into I your did. room or i did absolutely <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of
0: fun i loved it i met some really cool people in fact yeah. uh came to find out that a person that i used to know back then uh knows a friend of mine that i have known since high school as well and we just happened to get it connected through facebook the other day because yeah. in fact she i i commented on something that um uh, my friend had posted about her kid being sick for the past couple of weeks, and uh, this other girl responds to me and says, "Hey, by the way, your, your name and your face look really familiar." And so we start going back and forth, trying to figure out how we know each other, and yeah. just happen to be from our, our bulletin board days. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, did you have a handle at that point? I did. What was your handle? Uh, loony. It, how do you spell it? L-O-O-N-E-Y. All right. I'm a little crazy. Cool. still a Little loony. Well, like, loony. I can yeah. see that. You have to be a little loony to be an in infosec, too, right? So I've
1: known Sam for a couple of years. And yeah, he's a little. He's a little loony. He's not. He's not loony. <laughs> Uh, so you ran you ran a bulletin board for a while, and that got you into network security. You said I did. So, How did yeah. that transition happen?
0: So uh, I, I just realized that you know, network security was what inter- interested me. You know, I, I realized that it was something that I wanted to learn more about. Yeah. Uh, you know, networks obviously were very different then 20 x years ago than they are today, but um, you know, but still, it was something that was that was clearly an interest to me. And as I started to kind of finish out my my high school days and get into college, where I majored in computer science. Hmm. Uh, you know, I realized more and more that it was it was a career that I wanted to continue to pursue, and it's something that, as I've went from role to role throughout my career, uh, even though I've been in various different types of roles between software development, project management, uh, security roles, you know, I've always I've always had a, a mind's eye towards security during yeah. those during those roles as well. So I've always been kind of working towards right. uh, the roles I've been in today. So where would you go to college? So I started my college at the University of Colorado at Boulder, mm-hmm. and then finished at the University of New York at Buffalo.
1: Oh, that's that's a move. It is, but you're a yeah. buffalo either way.
0: I yeah. am. That's right. Sort of. It, no, it's, it's true. I, I can't seem to get away from it. In fact, funny enough, so when my wife and I moved to Colorado, uh, I'm moving back to Colorado, and my wife moving did, out here. Did you move your meet your wife at college then? Um, uh, in in New York, yes. Okay. Yeah. So when we moved to Colorado. Uh, we ended up moving to or. The first development that we bought our house in was called Buffalo Run, oh, yeah. so it just seemed like everything we ha- every every yeah. place we we lived or everything that I did just seemed to revolve around yeah. Buffalo. It's in your spirit way. animal, I guess Apparently.
1: so. It might be. <laughs> All right. So uh, you you went to college, you got your
0: uh, CS degree. Uh, what what happened after that? So after that, uh, gee, I was so when I was in college, I was going to school full time while I was working full time. So it was a bit of a stretch just hmm. because, you know, I was, I was on my own. when it's I a lot of full times. It was. Yeah, when I, when I moved to New York, uh, you know, I had to establish my residency there. So I worked full time for a year or so. Uh, funny enough, I've kind of come full circle in my career because I, I started off in a call center company <laughs> yeah. in New York yeah. uh, doing tech support for Sony personal computers. Hmm. And then um, kind of worked my way up there in that company yeah. and then kind of kept going from there. But um, That was my first tech job.
1: I did, I did tech support for electronic arts video games. That's uh, much more fun. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds it, much more fun. It's, it's people calling and saying that they, you know, the, the cursor keeps scrolling around my screen. And, well, that's a sound card driver issue because your joystick is plugged into your sound card anyway. That's a lot of technical information for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it doesn't sound like we had much different uh, different experiences then because yeah. we have people breaking their computers in all various ways and then yeah. calling us for support to help yeah. fix them.
1: And, you, and you, you walk them through it. All right, so yep. you did, so you were working full-time and you were going to school
0: full-time. Yep, going, working full-time, going to school full-time. So it made for some very long days. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I wonder how my, my wife, you know, then girlfriend stuck with me through all that. Because it was, you know, like I said, pretty long days getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Typically at work by 6. Yeah. Would work till 10 o'clock or so, go to school, come back to work around 3, work till 7, do homework, and then do it all again the next day. Yeah. You know, so it didn't leave a whole lot of time for social life, girlfriend, you yeah. know, so it was but it. Was, Made it through, right? Yeah. It was it was about uh, when I when I went to school in New York. I had about two and a half years or so left. Uh, I, I did my first couple of years in, in CU and then finished up in Buffalo, and um, very different curriculums too. Because you know the the engineering uh, curriculum at CU was very engineering focused and it was all focused on computer science classes. So by the time I went to Buffalo, theirs their program was a little bit different in that theirs was uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Not, I, I'll just say not as engineering focused, right? So yeah. it, so. By the time I went to Buffalo, even though I'd only been at CU for two and a half years, I'd almost finished all the CU, all the um, computer science courses, but I had none of the humanities courses, none of the history, none of that. So I spent most of my time at Buffalo actually going through... Getting the G, generalized stuff. Yeah, getting the generalized stuff done and then having to retake a class or two in computer science Hmm. because you have to take a certain number of classes in that program in order to qualify to graduate in that program. Yeah, that makes sense. So... uh, while I was there, worked at the, the call center company. Uh, back then, it was called Client. Actually, no, back then it was called SoftBank Services Group. Then it became client logic and today is known as Cytel. Hmm. Still um,
1: around, huh?
0: It's still around. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it's a pretty strong competitor to to Teletech as well. So hmm. we, uh, I, hear, I still hear their name every now and again. Which yeah, is, you know, kind of fun. Yeah, right to hear the
1: insider knowledge.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, from twenty years yeah. ago, right? Not so insider anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, uh, moved on to couple other roles where I did some more software development and ended up at a company called Cinecore, mm-hmm. which back then was called Check.com. So that was uh, an affinity email-based company where we thought we were going to make our millions based off of ad impressions and ad clicks and things yeah. like that. Uh, the premise of it basically was, so let's say, for example, you wanted a, a Budweiser.com email address. So you'd go to Budweiser.com, you could be Rob Breck at Budweiser.com, and that was all powered by our our email engine, mm-hmm. our, our, uh, our engine on the back end. And so the way we made money off the program was as part of your sign up process you would define some of your interests and things like that you know way way before some of the the tracking you know that Social they have today yeah, they where they have uh, you so, know they, they know everything you do and everywhere you go right you pretty much had to tell people what you are interested in yeah. and so we delivered ads um, where where ad networks would subscribe to us or ad deliverers would subscribe to us and we would deliver ads based off of the interests of the hmm. various users of the platform
1: yeah
0: and then um, and what were you doing there So I did software development there uh, to start and then I did project management for a while as well. So as we started to evolve the company, as we realized that uh, we were not going to make our millions doing ad impressions and ad clicks and ad revenue, uh, the company started to change to work more towards uh, businesses, work more towards telco providers, ISPs. And so uh, a lot of the work we started to do with them was more around premium, uh, premium content development, premium content integration into web portals. And so let's say you were a Comcast customer and you went to Comcast.net, you got this personalized portal page, which is all driven by by our technology. And we had a number of, of premium integrations uh, in that page as well. So let's say you wanted MLB.tv or you wanted a whole bunch of different um, movie streaming slash sports packages, right? So if you were to buy those individually, you'd probably spend 40 bucks a month on buying those packages individually if you wanna stream that content online. Yeah. If you bought it through your ISP, maybe you'd get it added to your bill for 10, 12 bucks a month. Mm. And so again, that was all driven by our, our technology on the back end. Yeah. So I was, uh, once I more or less stopped doing software development there, I was doing more project management at kind of managing the integrations of those premium features into our platform. So based on my technology background, kind of got some business background there as well, you know, was able to manage the whole process from, yeah. from end to end.
1: Okay.
0: So uh, after there uh, is where I got mixed up with uh, MX Logic. So this was uh, so this was this was in Buffalo. Then when I moved to Colorado after my wife and I like married, what
1: brought you to Colorado? Uh,
0: I wanted to come back to Colorado, and you know, eventually was able to convince my wife to that she that, to, to come out here as well. We come out here a couple times, and she loved it. Uh, you know, one of the the big drivers for her back there was that she her whole family was there. Right. Her whole family grew up you know, literally within about a three to five mile radius of where she lived. You know, her mom, her sister lived there, her aunts, her uncles, her cousins, her grandparents. They all lived within this, this literally five mile radius. And so when we first met, she kept saying, no, I'm not going to leave this area. I love this area. And, you know, that was, that was pretty much it. Yeah. And then over time, as we were dating, cause we dated for seven and a half years. Yeah. Uh, cause we met when she was still in high school. Uh, I was just in college and she wasn't still in high school. So we, uh, we, we dated for quite some time before we got married and, uh, over time, her cousins moved away, her aunt and uncle hmm. moved away, her grandparents moved away. And so, you know, all the reasons that she had for really wanting to stay there were, were leaving. Uh, and so, we came to the agreement that if one of us were able to get a job out here before he got married, then we would move after he got married. So, long story short, Blizzard of 2003, right, comes along. We got married in 2003. Yep. And so, this teacher fair that we we're going to come out here for, because my wife was a, was in college to become a teacher. This teacher fair was a teacher job fair was out here uh literally about a week or so after that that blizzard happened. Hmm. And so my wife's trying to set up interviews. It was March,
1: right? If I remember correctly. It was. Mar- March it was. 17th-ish maybe. Something about something around. Somewhere in yeah. the St.
0: Patrick's Day-ish. Yep. Yeah. So my wife was trying to call these schools to set up interviews before the job fair so that she, you know, when she got there, it wasn't just like, you know, hand out resumes, try yeah. to try to get interviews, try to line stuff up as much as she could beforehand. And Nobody was answering the phone. Nobody was calling her back. She's getting frustrated. She's getting confused. I said, "You do realize that they just had like three feet of snow out there, right?" So, uh, thankfully, was able to get some interviews set up. Had a really successful couple of days of the job yeah. fair. And you know, with with the teaching profession, right? You typically know whether you're going to be teaching that next school year pretty far in advance. Mm-hmm. Where the technology field, you know, you you leave a job one day and you're you know you're right. you're employed again the next week. So if if anybody was going to find a job in advance, it was going to have to be her. Yeah. And so she ended up getting a teaching position, and so we got married, and then went on our honeymoon, and then we're in our apartment for about two days after we got back from the honeymoon, and then we were in the car driving wow. to Colorado. All right. And then about a week later, she was uh, in the classroom, you know, getting her classroom <laughs> set up for the school year. So it, it all
1: it all moved pretty fast. Yeah. So you came out to how, how did the, the getting the job at MX Logic work out?
0: It was great. You know, I was there for... But how did you, you get... It? I mean, did,
1: did you get it before you came? Did
0: you... No, no. So I, I consulted with the company that I was with, Cinecor, in yeah. Buffalo for about four months or so. Sure. And uh, got to the point where at, at that stage in my career, I just couldn't work from home anymore. I mean, I, I have the mentality for it. I have the work ethic for it. And I think that it takes a certain type of work ethic and mentality to be able to do that successfully. Just in a small apartment, I just couldn't... Yeah. No matter what right. I did, I was always there. Right. Right. There was no... We had a, I had a room that was my office but it still was close enough to everything else where even if I would go out for lunch or work from outside for a little while, it just it still felt like I was always right back in there and I just yeah. I, after about four months or so I decided I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. So um, started looking for a new job and found a position at MX Logic doing a lot of the same stuff I was doing at Cinecore, really so it was a pretty natural transition from one to the other. Uh, started there in December of 2003 and uh, kind of worked my way up the chain there as well you know starting as a software developer managed their QA group for a while and then moved on to kind of run their threat center and, and basically provide the you know the strategy and direction for their their filtering product
1: yeah so um, i sat with scott scott chasen, scott chasen. yeah uh, who was who was the founder and president of mx logic is that right co-founder and CTO okay excuse me uh, he's the founder and president of ProtectWise now. Mm-hmm. So I sat with him and, and actually uh, his interview on the podcast is going to be the week after yours. So okay. Yours is, is now and Scott's his is a great. week from today. That's great. Uh, and, and he said some really nice things about you. You can li- listen next week and you'll I hear don't. about it. But um, very cool. Uh, small. It's a small world for sure.
0: It certainly is, especially yeah. in the security space, right? You, you, you never know who you're going to run into. Yeah. In fact, so speaking of small world, so... Uh, I always kind of find it funny when, when worlds collide, right? So I told the story a little bit earlier about uh, you know, the, the friend I got hooked up with from uh, my old BBS days, right? Just yeah. having to connect through a friend of mine on Facebook recently. So when I was in uh, New York in the call center, there was a guy that I sat next to who we got along pretty well. You know, we were doing uh, doing tech support for Sony PCs. And so I don't know at what point he moved to Colorado. I don't know if it was shortly after I did or, or what, but uh, came to find out at at some point a couple years ago or a few years ago now that he had moved to Colorado as well and um, knew a girl that I went to high school with and yeah. they just happened to work at the same company for a while so again kind of kind of same same type type, type of uh, excuse me type of collision there where I'm connected with a friend of mine from high school on Facebook yeah. connected with him as well and just happened to see that him comment on something that she had posted yeah. or she commented on something he, po- he posted and I look at it and going wait a minute how do you two know each other? Yeah. And so uh, so Facebook is not just for cat pictures. It also It's not like, just for cat pictures. Yeah. No, it's 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 really interesting when some of those worlds collide like that, but yeah. um, so, so how long were you at MX Logic? So I was there for if you include the McAfee acquisition mm-hmm. and then the Intel acquisition as well, it all kind of happened pretty right. suddenly uh, in pretty rapid succession. So I was there from December of 2003 until geez, uh 2009 10? That's a pretty 2010, good. Run.
1: 2010. Almost seven, well, six, seven years or something. Of, like
0: that. Yes, it was end of 2010 because I started um, a Return Path in February of 2011.
1: Yeah. Well so. so what what caused you to, to leave uh, Intel at the time?
0: So one of my concerns was, you know, when, when Intel came in to buy McAfee, uh, you know, I was running the, the email program at the time there. And one of the things that kind of concerned me was, you know, Intel bought McAfee largely for its antivirus engine because the, the intention at the time was to build that whole deep safe platform, deep scan, deep safe platform that they ended up building, which was primarily to address threats moving outside of the operating system and more into the silicon. Right? That was the primary reason, at least my my understanding, why Intel That's bought
1: That's why, why a hardware company might want a software it, security company.
0: Exactly. Or an, an yeah. AV company, right, right. At, at its core, most specifically. And so... One of the things that concerned me was all right, so Mac or Intel paid seven plus billion dollars for this company, right? It's going to, it's good. There's going to be a point sometime, probably relatively soon, where it looks at why it bought the company and realizes the things that it bought it for versus the things it didn't buy it for. And so, as I looked at the email program, I thought, well, is this really going to be a long term strategy for Intel? And so, I thought, well, it's probably best that I start proactively. Uh, moving on before, you know, before I'm forced to do so. And and surprisingly, you know, much to my surprise anyway, you know, Intel didn't really spin it off for another five years after that. So Mm -hmm. it took a lot longer than I thought it was going to to actually have it finally happen. But it it did. It just took longer than I thought. But, um, that was a big part of the reason why I originally started to to look, and I was I've known the people at Return Path for quite some time. You know, being in the email space for for so long, I sure. get to know quite a few people in that space, and so I knew a lot of the folks over at Return Path, their president, COO, uh, a lot of the folks over there that um, you know, that were employed there. Yeah. So, I, so it was a fairly natural and easy transition for me to to go over there, uh, join them as their chief security officer as well as their uh, general manager of an anti phishing product that we were hmm. about to bring to market. So. Ended up bringing to market uh, their what they called domain assurance at the time, which uh, it changed names a couple of times over the course of the the, the product's lifetime. lifetime. but uh, it was called domain assurance, and it was primarily focused around email authentication and anti-phishing. So, how can you use technologies like DMARC, for example, if, uh, to be able to use email authentication, to be able to just, to be able to set policy such that emails that are coming from your organization, uh, you know, can either be ex- potentially accepted or rejected based right. off of its email authentication. Assurance level, right? Assurance level, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, brought that product to market. Uh, was that return path for a little under two years or so? Uh, pretty proud of the fact that the the product that I brought to market was actually sold to proof point not mm-hmm. too long ago for return path. So that was uh, that was kind of yeah. neat to be able to you know talk about now that you know the, the product that you brought to market a few yeah. years ago had evolved obviously since uh, since I brought it to market initially, but.
1: Yeah, pretty pretty neat to see that there's enough value there that someone wants to buy that. Exactly, exactly,
0: and it validates the market too, right? Because you know it's it's a space where you at the time that it was brought to market, you know, we talked a lot about phishing, we talked a lot about anti phishing, and there was a lot of the. The feeling out there that well, phishing is a financial services problem. Mm. Right? Like, why should I care? Right. And I think that that's that tune has really changed today. Been disproven. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. When you think about not only the amount of phishing that happens, but the amount of damage it's been causing, BEC scams, yeah. uh, W2 scams, like all the types of email fraud you see now, uh, there's technology there that exists that can help you fight that problem that has existed for geez six seven years or so now. Yeah. That you know people are now finally be, you know becoming aware of and the fact that there is, a, there is an actual solution to that problem.
1: There was a, one of the news articles we covered a month or so ago was about, I think I think it was WebRoot's annual report said that somewhere in the ballpark of seven to one, there are more phishing emails trying to capture your your technology accounts versus your financial accounts. So they're trying to get your Facebook or your Gmail or yep. your Yahoo accounts. And those are, those are what the bad guys are going after instead of your Bank of America uh, yep.
0: login. And the big reason for that, I think, is that... You, know, you have your consumer accounts, right? You have your business account, yeah. your business account, your your work login for lack of a better term, right? I'm going to assume typically has password rotation policies, password complexity policies such that yeah. if you have your password for 90 days, it forces you to change it to on the your systems. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Where on a lot of your consumer accounts, whether it's your Gmail account, your online banking account, they're not necessarily forcing you to change that password every yeah. so often. And so if you have... Your password to Gmail—you probably have that same password for a multitude of other accounts right. as well. So if they can get a hold, a hold of your Gmail account, they probably have access to at Keys least to the c- kingdom, at right. least fifty percent of your other accounts as well. Yeah.
1: All right, let's uh, let's um, fast forward. You you moved. You know, you were at Return Path for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, what,
0: what's next? Yeah, so after Return Path, uh, so Groupon was a pretty large client of Return Path hmm. at the time. Um, still is, I would imagine because uh, they do a lot of email, as, as I'm sure a lot of people are aware of. If, you're, if you sign up for Groupon, you get a lot of email from Groupon. Uh, but worked pretty closely with the Groupon folks as, during my time with ReturnPath. And so as, as it became clear it was time to, to move on from ReturnPath for, for a couple of various reasons, um, it was already, like I said, pretty closely tied with the, the folks over at Groupon. In fact, on some of the calls that they were uh, conducting with some of their vendors, Uh, they even asked me if I would represent myself as Groupon while I still worked for ReturnPath, you know, know, consulting for them in some way, but still, you know, even though still being employed by ReturnPath. And so, um, you know, kind of had some conversations and thought, well, you know, since you're already kind of representing us on some of these, uh, some of these calls anyway, why don't you talk to our, talk to our guy who's building our, our security team and, and see if you want to, you know, see if you're a good fit for that. So, um. Had some interviews with the folks over at Groupon. Great team. Loved loved the company. Loved the team. It was it was a pretty logical fit, pretty quickly. Yeah. And the guy that I ended up working for over there left the company about three months after I started. So it, it you know moved into it moved into his role fairly quickly. Where I was heading up the internet security team over there so they're they're headquartered in chicago they're headquartered right? in chicago i worked here okay uh so i worked from home out of here which was actually worked out pretty well because uh they also have a very large engineering office in palo alto california mm-hmm. so denver is a great jumping off point between chicago yeah. and palo alto it's just literally an hour and a half flight a flights flight either way to yeah. either one exactly uh, great company great team had an opportunity to build out the team there uh worked with and for some really great people over there uh, people i still keep in pretty close contact with so i I have nothing, nothing bad to say about Groupon. Uh, the primary reason that I moved on from, from Groupon to Teletech was, uh, I was really looking forward to getting back into a CISO type capacity. Sure. And, you know, I, as much as it was, as much as I was the highest ranking, you know, internet security person there, I wasn't going to get an official CISO title, you know, if, if I didn't work out in the Chicago office, right? right? There were still some, they, they, they had a lot of, uh, you know, basically all their executive team was based out of there. Right. If I was going to be able to move up in that capacity at all, it was going to have to be from one of those home office locations. Yeah. That, as, as much as it was working out well, you know, working remotely, like I said, if I was going to want to move up the ladder there, it was going to have to be yeah. in one of the offices. So the, um, the opportunity at Teletech came along after my predecessor left and they were, uh, you know, looking for somebody for probably about four to six months or so. Yeah. Uh, seemed like a good fit. And so made the move over there and joined them in January of 2015. Yeah, so
1: just, just a little bit over two years. Uh, and, you know, you took you took over for Debbie Blythe, who's now mm-hmm. CISO for the state of Colorado. Yep. Um, what did you, you know, for those who don't know, obviously you mentioned that uh, Teletech's a call center. Let's talk about Scope. It's one of the bigger companies here in Colorado. You yes. might just kind of giving some company
0: background. Yeah, sure. So Teletech's been around for about 30, 34, 35 years or so now, about 45,000 employees globally. Uh, of those, you know, since you mentioned it's a call center company, about 37,000 or so of those employees are call center agents. Uh, say about half or so, maybe a little more than half are in the Philippines. And others are based through other areas throughout the world, Europe, yeah. Eastern Europe, the United States. A lot of it is dependent upon client need, client requirement. You know, we have some government clients who require uh, people to be based out of the US. We have some clients who have very specific language requirements. Sure. And so we build out locations based off of where those clients have needs for whatever their business might yeah. be.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, so of that 45,000, again, 37,000 call center agents, which leaves about 8,000 or so, 6,000 to 8,000 call center, I'm sorry, uh, corporate employees. Mm-hmm. And they're based all over the place as well, you know, between Denver and Austin and all various places around the world, you know, supporting the, the various call center sites that we have, our various operational programs, information security, sales, IT, you know, yeah. it it's all spread all over the
1: place. And headquarters is Denver, right? Headquarters is and, here in Englewood, Colorado. And, and maybe, maybe in the most... Beautiful building in the in the area. I don't know it's, that nobody knows about. It's, it's, right? <laughs> it's amazing for those who haven't had a chance to get there. It's off of uh, four seventy in Peoria. Peoria, yeah, just uh, on on the on the, uh, the toll road out there. I think It's donut shaped. It is Be- we beautiful call it the donut. courtyard in the middle. Yeah. Apparently, you say they have music in the in the summer. And yeah, in the summer we have uh, bands there. come out every Friday and barbecues
0: yeah. and families come out and spend some time with. Um, you know, it's it's, it's yeah. a great opportunity to just you know have let your family see where you spend a big yeah. chunk of your day, right? Uh, but yeah, it's 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 one one of those beautiful buildings that nobody knows about yeah. because it's it's off the side of the road. It's not it's not something that people generally stop right. at or even necessarily see unless you're yeah. pulling into the into the campus. But once you're in the building, I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's, building. it's a beautiful building. Uh, we have a huge multimedia room that yeah. we use for various events. That again, people just don't know is there. Yeah. So
1: we've had we've had uh, I think three different ISSA three. Denver yeah. meetings at your campus so far, and I highly recommend anyone who who uh, might want to go to an ISSA meeting, look for one of those at Teletech and come out and see the building. It's, it's beautiful. It's a great campus. Um, uh, anyway, we appreciate you doing that. Absolutely. So and as your role uh, as a CISO at Teletech, what, what are your high priorities? What, what is it you're focusing on uh, as a program or, you know, what are you working on maturing right now?
0: Yeah, so there's there's a lot, right? Um, right. There's a lot when I, when I started at Teletech, you know, I, I didn't realize some of the challenges that existed before i got there sure right so uh, my predecessor uh, reported under the it organization which means that you know a lot of what was done was focused around you know just around what was needed for the it organization sure Where when i came in i was focused more on building an organizational you so know, holistic
1: they move the you they moved you out from it and reporting into a, a higher level into legal into yes
0: legal, right? yep so one of the things that was very important to me coming into the company was that I was able to establish an independent voice outside of it sure right and I, I, a lot of great stuff was done by by my, by my predecessor. It was just that you know it wasn't because of how it reported. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, the focus it, is on IT. it, then, it right? The focus was yeah. on IT, and that not not the, not the holistic organizational. Program. If
1: you want security to focus on the company, don't put it under IT. Right, that's right. Yeah, it makes
0: perfect sense. Exactly. So so when I started there. I was reporting under the legal organization, which gave us an opportunity to establish our our independence. Uh, however, it it was difficult to get lawyers to spend money on things True. they don't understand. Uh, we, mm-hmm. it, we had some very conversations, you know, with the with the uh, with the person I reported to there around, you know, the need to bring in contractors for some things, consultants to bring in some things, uh, just because you know they were under the impression that well, you have a security team, just so, do just do your job, yeah, just just, <laughs> just do it, right? Uh, so it, it was it was a good educational process for for her and also for me to you know, make, you know help make sure I understood you know how to educate right. somebody on on the non technical aspects of, of security, right? yeah. that's a very it's a very important uh, trait to be able to have is you know uh, technical or People who are in CISO-type roles generally come from technical backgrounds, and so it's important to be able to speak not only the technical side of the house, but also be able to speak to the non-technical side sure, of the, the house as well, side. which which I did a lot of in other roles I was in as well. well you are running a whole business units, so I'm sure you did. Exactly, <laughs> but but I never reported into a legal organization, yeah. so it was, it was different, right? It's a different and mindset. I, I, a, I worked very closely with legal and other companies, but never worked for them, and it's, yeah. it's different, you know, educating them in different ways. Yeah. So, my focus at Teletech when I got there was, you know, how do we start building this organizational program? How do we start identifying the areas that we're not good in outside of the technical side so that we can start building, you know, security awareness programs? How do we start getting some of the things around BYOD that we didn't have in place before? How do we start looking at, um, uh, risk assessments, you know, start looking at how do we, how we start doing those across the organization understanding more about how to help the company understand from a business perspective, the language of risk. And so, uh, Got some good success in that program over the first year or so. Uh, we had a new CIO come in in August of 2015. I got reorged under him hmm. uh, towards the end of 2016, but it worked out pretty well because one of the conversations that we had was we need to make sure that we don't go back to the old guard ways hmm. where InfoSec is reporting under the IT organization. We need to have, you know, if we're going to report to the CIO, we need to have it as two separate pillars where yeah. IT is one pillar, security is another pillar, and it works as a partnership not as a subservient relationship yeah. and I'll, I'll tell you it's been working out pretty well so far
1: well, I'll say you know I I feel like there's a, a religious you know this religious war about where security should report and mm-hmm. and I I would have I actually ascribed to the security should never report to secu- to IT uh, for a few years um, I, I worked in financial services for quite a while and, and that it's one of the regulators big things is they don't want they don't mm-hmm. want I, security reporting into operations at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went to Pulte, uh, Pulte Financial, and I worked for the CIO there directly and it was he was just such a great supporter of my program. Mm-hmm. And what I realized as you know as I had the opportunity to talk to the you know, executive leadership team and kind of you know figure out where does everyone sit and who's who's there to support me and who is there? Um, not no one was not supportive, but there's a lot of people who had to be convinced, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what I realized was, the CI, the general counsel, was going to support me no matter what. The general counsel is there to drive down risk. Un- understands that security is an important risk. Doesn't really understand how to do it, but is the, is there to say, "Hey, Rob says that's a big risk. Let's fix it." I got this guy on my side. Yep. And 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 I, it occurred to me as I was there that if I moved under the general counsel. Um, the CIO maybe would not be as motivated to support me as as, as he was when I reported to him. Because when okay. I was reporting to him, he's advocating it. He knows that his neck is on the line for security just as much as mine is. Yep. Um, and I, I really, at that organization, and I, I can't say anywhere else, but at that organization, I firmly believe the best place for security was right under that CIO, mm-hmm. who in a lot of ways was like a second in command of the company as well. He had a lot of, a lot of sway on the executive team. Probably still does. Sure. Um, so, you know, but, but my, my current company... Um, there that wouldn't be a good fit, right? So it really, yeah. I think it really depends on organizational dynamics, and you know what's right for one place is not always going to be right.
0: It, it, it does take a specific kind of CIO, a special kind of CIO, I think, to be able to properly segregate between IT and security and be able to manage them both well, yeah. and not treat security as another function of IT. Right. I, I don't think every CIO can do it, but I think in, in your case and in my case as well, it's worked out pretty yeah. well.
1: So I want to uh, branch out a little bit from your professional activities to your, uh, I know you do some community activities, and you're on the board for Colorado Cyber. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about Colorado Cyber on the podcast a couple times, but if you don't mind just giving a couple minutes, what is Colorado Cyber and what's the vision for it?
0: Yeah, so Colorado Cyber is a group that was formed a couple of years ago initially. It was originally called Colorado Cybersecurity Consortium, Mm -hmm. and then we changed the name to Colorado Cyber. What we're focusing on primarily is is how do we bring CISOs together? How do we start building a strong cybersecurity community, right? A lot of what you're doing with Colorado Equals Security as well, right? Yeah. Where we're trying to make sure we're building a, a strong security community, but not just for security community at the executive level, right? So how do you how do you start bringing CISOs together such that, you know, they have a, a place where they can feel comfortable sharing ideas, sharing best practices, um, challenges solutions in a way that is not to say surrounded by vendors right mm-hmm. you know it, it, we we have a strong partnership with our vendors right we have we have vendors who are on our board of Colorado Cyber but you know we want to make sure that what we're what we're targeting towards is is bringing CISOs together in a way that allows us to um, you know feel like we have a, a, a feeling of community around how we can communicate with one another and feel like we're doing it in a safe, safe place and safe way, without feeling like someone's going to, you know, hey, I heard you have a problem with X, and you know, we, we have the we have the solution for you, right? So even though, like I said, we have vendors who are involved in it, it's it's not in a way where you know they're they're encouraged to try to find ways to use that community as a forum to try to sell into. Hmm. So how do you? What's the?
1: What does it look like? How do you guys bring those folks together?
0: So we do quarterly events. Uh, today, uh, we've been. Doing them at various different places. But uh, we do do various events on various security security topics, on risk, on, you name it, we're kind of covering a number of different areas. But uh, we we do quarterly events that uh, are advertised through our website. Uh, We try to get, you know, the word out there through social media as well. I'd say, you know, we're still trying to feel our way a little bit through some of that process on how to really... Make sure the word is out there right. uh, to to various CISOs and various organizations. I think this is a great forum, so thank you for you know for yeah, your, and, the opportunity to at least talk and, about it. And, a and I'll bit. tell you,
1: I have a process before we post every podcast that I go through the calendars for all the different lo- local security groups, and, and I always go to, to the Colorado Cyber Calendar looking for events, and I haven't seen any for the last couple months. So I don't know if the calendar is not getting updated or I'm missing it.
0: But oh, uh, I'll, I'll, that, thanks for the feedback. <laughs> we, we did have one. We had one in January. Yes. Uh, so that was so, our Q1 activity. So, so maybe there's nothing happened since then. Yeah. So so we're starting, we're going to start uh, planning activity for our Q2 or Q2, okay. start start planning for our Q2 activity. Excuse me. Uh, I think we we're supposed to have a meeting maybe ended this week or sometime next yeah. week on you know, starting to plan the, the logistics around that. So there'll be some more information on it shortly. So we'll
1: keep, it'll be on the Colorado Equal Security calendar as well. And we'll mention it on the podcast when it when it pops up. So anyone who's interested and in, qualifies to go we'll, we'll, should be made aware of it. Um, you're, you know, you, I know you personally, what, what do you personally, how do you spend your time? I, I know you have a, a hobby that, you know, is kind of more than a hobby, right?
0: Yeah. So, I, well, my kids are mostly would yeah. take up a lot of my time, right? So I have, I have three kids, all girls. Yeah. Uh, pretty involved in various athletics between basketball and swimming and soccer is about to start up. In fact, tonight, um, my girls have, uh, have soccer practice yeah. as well. So I do a lot of that. Uh, you know, wherever my kids need to go is where my wife and I go. And because of we have three of them and they're all in different activities, we end up having to divide and conquer quite yeah. a bit. Dabble in real estate as well? I lately. do. I do. Yeah. I have, uh, I've had a real estate investment business on the side for the past six years or so. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, just recently sold, just two weeks or so ago now, uh, sold the first investment property that I bought about six years ago, yeah. back in November of 2010. Uh, bought it for, or sold it for That's about, pretty good timing then. It, it is. Yeah, it, it was pretty good timing. <laughs> yeah. ended up selling it for about three and a half times what I bought it for. That's awesome. So it was uh, worked out pretty well. Congratulations. Now, thank you. And now parlaying that into, uh, into the next one that right. we're actually already under contract for, and hopefully we'll be closing in about a month or so. That's great. Congratulations.
1: So you, have, so you have, and you also are a, a referee
0: for basketball, right? I do, yes. So yeah. uh, I've, I've been doing it for a long time as, you know, just doing recreational leagues and things like that, uh, mostly for free, just because I enjoy doing it. Yeah. Uh, I like to play basketball. I, lo- I just love being around the game. Yeah. I've played since I was six years old. Uh, despite that, you think I might be a little bit better, but I'm not. I'm not that great at it. But uh, but I, I've always I've always just loved being around it. Yeah. And so uh, so I've been doing officiating for like I said rec leagues and such for quite some time. And then started this year uh, doing it. I'll, I'll call it professionally, right? We actually sure. get get paid to do it. Uh, and I'm going to be pursuing uh, sort of actual certification for it sometime later like oh, this man. year. So it'll allow me to do you know higher level high school games, yeah. uh, potentially college games as well. But I've been focusing primarily on. Uh, middle school, and kind of, I'll, I'll call it lower level high school, right. games, so non, non-varsity. non So you have
1: three different jobs, if what I just heard is correct. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a busy dude. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I do want to, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of our time here. Um, once you, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your experience in the Colorado security community. So you've mm-hmm. been here for, well, if math is right, you know, 14 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what's your experience been? Have you, how have you seen it change? Uh, If you just comment on that a little bit, yeah,
0: it's an awesome community, really. I mean, it's. I talk to my boss sometimes, or you know, as I mentioned earlier, I report to our CIO. I've talked to him a few times about you know just the tight knit community that we have, and the fact that we have you know regular dinners and activities, and also you know we we get together for social activities with our families, and so it it's it's really a a wonderful environment to be a part of and be in, just because of you know the opportunities to network, the opportunities to get to know people, the opportunity with people that share your interests, right? Uh, so I, from my perspective, it's been invaluable. You know, I, yeah. I talked to my, my CIO and he says, you know, uh, in the CIO world, not, I, I don't know if this is true or not, this is just his perspective, but yeah. um, you know, in the CIO world, you, know, you don't have uh, other CIOs like referring each other to new positions that are opening <laughs> up, right? Like we do in the CISO community where, you know, someone is leaving one position and, you know, the word goes out, hey, so-and-so is leaving, you know, and we start referring people to, you know, that we right. think would be good fits for that role. According to him, that just doesn't even happen in the CIO community. It, it's very, you know, it's it, it's much more cutthroat, much more don't really care about what the other mm. guy's doing or anything like that. Where in our community, it's it's very much the opposite. I think
1: I think it's a, really an us versus them, In and security. We're all part of the us because we're, yeah, we're so out right. We're so exactly out right. And, right? Exactly right. Like uh, even if you know, even if you work for my direct competitor, we're not competing on security, right? We're we're competing on product functionality and. No. And the better, the best we can do to to, to shut down the bad guys is best.
0: And, and the thing that I've always found interesting too is that you know despite companies being at various levels of maturity in their various programs, a lot of us are still fighting the same problems and still mm-hmm. trying to solve a lot of the same problems. Yeah. So whether it's you know whether it's. Uh, financial services company or uh, another company down the street, you know, who who has, who's had a program or a CISO a lot longer yeah. than, than, say, Teletech has, for example. Regardless, it always seems like we're always trying to solve the same problems.
1: Yeah, I'd, I would love it if someone could find me a company that's really figured out configuration and asset management. Like, you know, everyone, it, every big company has a CMDB and it mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be like anyone trusts it, right? basic fundamental stuff is yeah, just really, yeah. really hard. And yes. and the more we can share our, our successes, I think the, the better off we all get, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, one last question for you. Uh, for those who are looking to get more into security, hey, we talked about what a great community we have. Maybe they, they don't know how to get into it. What would you recommend? What's a good way to get, get started and
0: start meeting folks? I, best way is just get involved. I yeah. mean, there are so many events. There are so many uh, industry groups like the ISSA, right? Yeah. ISACA. Uh, if you go to the Colorado Equal Security site, as you mentioned, there's a calendar there on all the various security events. And so, if you're if you're interested in getting involved, or you just want to get better networked, or you want to find a, a job in security, I mean, just just get networked because that's yeah. that's all how a lot of these positions end up getting filled. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true. And, and there's so many companies who are hiring for security roles. And I, I know I know we talk about this a lot, Rob. Where it takes so long to hire and find good people because people who are in the security field are already employed and, right. and they're not really necessarily looking to leave what they're doing. So if you're interested in getting into the field, just start getting involved, start getting networked, and, yeah. and you'll you'll find a lot of people who are interested in talking to you more about what you want to do.
1: Well, there are there are literally events, multiple events every week. Absolutely. It, it's, it seems like it's almost every night of the week, there's something going on. And you know, like you said, I think people show up and get to know folks and you know maybe maybe you need to not use just your technical skills. you need to smile and shake yeah, a hand and try easier use use your, use your, use your uh, social engineering skills to, to make us like you
0: but it's, it's become <laughs> it's become a much more you know business focused field yeah, too I sure. mean where you know 10 12 years ago you know it, technical expertise would get you wherever you wanted to go. And now there's a lot, there's a much bigger balance between technical and business acumen as well. Yeah. And so, you know, there, there's certainly a role for people who are really good pen testers or really good at certain things in security. But if you want to continue to move up that ladder, you have to have both sides of that fence.
1: I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I, just today, I was talking to one of the, the managers at, at, at Ping um, about one of the technical folks on, on our team. And we were talking about, like, uh, professional development opportunities for this person. And and this, this guy is a, a super hard worker and he, he likes to learn a lot. And we were thinking, man, you know what he, he's, he's doing all these certifications and going after all this tech stuff. You know what he really needs is to go to, go to Toastmasters or, you know, go to, you know, one of those things where, where we have opportunities to, to, to work on skills that we don't think about at work. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and frankly, as, as leaders, I, I don't generally probably do a great job of identifying what are those paths for you to go get that kind of training. And, mm-hmm. Uh, it's just something for us to think about it, how we improve everyone. Yeah, sort uh, of sure. bring up bring up the level. Well, you know, I guess any any last questions, any last comments you want to have for the for the audience? No, no. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me today. It's yeah. been a pleasure. It's been fun. It has. Thanks, Sam. Uh, we'll we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Hope I'm hopeful. You know, once maybe once a year or so, we can you know keep keep in touch and Absolutely. share where, where you've been going in the last year. All right. Well, with that, we'll sign off. Thanks for listening to Colorado Equal Security, and we'll talk to you next week.